0: This is episode 671 of the Prepper Website Podcast, where I connect you with resources that will help you live a more self-reliant life, so you can love your people, get prepared, and live free. On today's podcast, looking back and looking forward, an interview with Michael Bunker. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is usually an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website. From time to time, I interview members of the preparedness community who can bring a ton of value and information to your preparedness. Links for this podcast can be found in the show notes or on theprepperwebsitepodcast.com. Hey, everyone, and welcome to another episode. I'm so glad that you are here. Hey, as we move into this podcast episode, we did receive a review. I just want to give a shout out to West Seattle 12. West Seattle 12 says, one of the best prepping podcasts available. Todd provides insight preparedness that our family has adopted without question. We also appreciate the spirituality that Todd provides because that is how we grow. Without God and faith, we are lacking despite wealth, food, friends, shelter, and health. West Seattle, thanks so much for leaving that review. I greatly appreciate it. and uh, I do appreciate those of you that reach out and just let me know that you appreciate the the faith. You know, I do hear from people who don't like it, and uh, but there's plenty of podcasts out there that don't talk about faith. Um, but I do love hearing from those of you who say, "Hey, Todd, we appreciate it," and um, you know, just keep 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 it going, keep the faith, right? Hey, uh, I want to just uh, make you aware. I don't, you know, I'm sure if you are subscribed to the podcast, you have seen the five minute prep, and that's something that I. Recently, did I don't know how long I'm gonna do that, but I released it on Wednesday, and I'm gonna release another one on Wednesday. I think I have a few others, you know, up my sleeve, so I think I'm gonna do that. Let me know if you appreciate those or if they're just kind of a waste of time. I'd really love to hear from you. And then one other thing uh, before we get into the interview, um, I've been doing an interview or actually a, a Facebook Live. With my good friends Chip Feck of cribsteward.com, um Mick Rowland of Rowland.com, and Brian Hawkins of Next Steps Survival.com. Uh, and we did that last Friday and we had a great time. We talked about bugging out with the Lykovs. It's actually based on one of, of Mick Rowland's uh, articles. And we talked a little bit about bugging out and some of our ideas. We had a really great time. And so I pushed that over to Facebook thinking that I could embed the Facebook video on my website for those of you that are not on Facebook. And I realized, well, after it went live, I realized it didn't work. I was thinking that it would work the same way that I, I do for church because I embed my, um, my video, my live video on uh, my website for church, but it just didn't seem to work out. So I'm probably going to push it to YouTube and go from there and, and share it out from there. But anyway, we had a great time. We might be doing it more often. We don't know what kind of schedule it is. You know, we're all busy people and, and things like that. And doing it on a Friday, um, you know, right now with the situation the way it is and, and things like that, uh, I think it's it's pretty easy to be able to do. But uh, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. So um, all that to say that this Friday, um, if you're listening, and I know I'm kind of. Uh, Putting this out there as far as if people are listening to this in the future. But uh, this Friday, I'm going to be releasing the audio version of that on the podcast. And so you can listen to that. That'll be bugging out with the Lykovs, and that'll be based on our live video that we did this last Friday night. So I hope you enjoy that. All right, so let's go ahead and move into our interview with Michael Bunker. Hey, you know, looking back into history, it helps us to see how things have progressed. We should take those lessons as we look forward, but sometimes it just seems like we're doomed to make the same mistakes. So in this interview, we talk a lot about, you know, looking back, looking forward. Michael has a lot of great information. Um, you know, we start out the podcast talking about COVID because, uh, he, his wife, uh, had COVID and he got COVID and his, uh, daughters got COVID. And so we talked a little bit about that and how he was feeling and, uh, you know, this was actually recorded probably about three weeks ago uh, from the release date, and uh, so he's recovered by now. But I know other people that have recovered, and they're feeling, you know, when they recover from COVID, they're still feeling weak. You know, I don't know if you know anybody out there. Uh, I have a friend that I work with who recovered. He had a really high temperature, recovered, and he's got one of those watches that monitors your heart rate, and so he knows what his heart rate is normally at. And he said since he recovered, his heart rate has been 10 beats a minute higher, even in resting. And so, you know, he's monitoring all that and and things like that. Um, And so Michael talks a little bit about COVID, very, very short time talking about COVID, talking about a lot of other great, interesting things you're going to really love. And then at the very end, we talk about health because Michael has lost a lot of weight. And so I wonder like, hey, talk to us a little bit about your weight loss, because I think that's something that you know, all of us can uh, can uh, look to, you know, we can be healthier. And so uh, at the very end, we talk about that a little bit. So great interview. Uh, it's always great to talk with Michael. So I know that you're going to enjoy it as well. So let's go ahead and get into this interview with Michael Bunker. Michael Bunker, welcome to the Prepper website podcast. Oh, man. Great to be back. It's been a while. It has been, and uh, man, you've had some interesting situations here recently. How have you been? Tell us a little bit.
1: Okay. Well, that that could go in any direction. Um, I'm doing great. Uh, Right at the moment, I'm in day five of COVID, so uh, me and my family are COVID infected, Uh, but we're feeling great. We're all doing really well, and uh, uh, other than that, we're doing real well. We're um, making it through this stuff everybody's having to go through. Uh, Of course, we were very, very prepared. We've been prepared as people for a long time, lived off grid for 15 years. So uh, we're not that much affected by uh, world events other than the same thing everyone else is. (laughs) So it's been uh, it's been OK. Got a lot of things going on writing wise. Uh, We still have a movie theoretically out in Hollywood that's being made from one of my books. Hasn't moved in a while, but we'll see uh, how that goes. And other than that, I've been working on my uh, fitness pretty uh, seriously since January, so I got a lot of things to talk about. Whatever you want to talk about,
0: <laughs> you you do have a lot of things talking about and to talk about. And I do want to talk about your, uh, you know, your your physical journey here, your health, and and all that. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, going back to the COVID, did everyone experience the same symptoms, or was you know, did uh, did you experience maybe something different than your wife did or your kids did?
1: Yeah, I call it my own private pandemic because everybody everybody really does get their own. Um, and and I'll just tell you out front, my, my opinion from the very beginning is that everybody's going to get this. Um, I don't think that's something that uh, I'm not for the vaccine or any of this other stuff. I think uh, what we've done is we've basically stopped a natural process of um, us all gaining some kind of herd hum- uh, uh, immunity. And, uh, and I understand the delaying tactics and all that kind of stuff, but let me just say, I I expected from the beginning, we would get it at some point. And so, um, we, we got it. My wife works as a uh, nurse's aide and in a nursing home that had a bad outbreak. In fact, just about everybody got it. Just employees and all the uh, residents. And, uh, she was volunteering for the COVID unit and came home with it. So (laughs) Um, we, uh, we've all had different symptoms. We all, there are things that are similar that everybody had. You get tired, uh, body aches and pains, um, uh, a slight upper respiratory, uh, cough, um, those types of things. My wife, uh, she basically had flu symptoms. Uh, It was very difficult to tell the difference between that and the flu. Um, when my, uh, youngest daughter got it, uh, very similar. She had a cough. You could tell she was not feeling well body aches and pains. With me, uh, my body aches and pains were very severe, especially from my waist down. It was very specific to my sciatica, my my glutes. my. Um, and I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that this virus kind of attacks areas where you might already have damage or you might already have inflammation. Since I work out every day uh, pretty severely, I think the day before we got uh, diagnosed, I had done my lower body workout And I think that's where what it attacks. And I couldn't sleep for about four days because I had such severe lower body pain. Uh, I didn't get much of a cough. Didn't get much of a respiratory problem. No breathing problems. I could hold my breath for ten seconds without coughing. Uh, Headaches uh, and and body pains was my main thing. Uh, Just tired all the time. Just hard to get through the day, especially without sleeping. My other daughter Jennifer, uh, she had a lot of the similar uh, things. She has lost her sense of smell. My other daughter lost her sense of smell and taste. My wife didn't lose anything (laughs) except maybe her sense of humor. (laughs) And, uh, I have not lost my sense of uh, smell or taste. So it's kind of a weird thing, but we're, I'm on day six and, and these things are, are very day specific. So you can actually like track your progress. Uh, the, the most people, if they have a light case, get better about day four, day five, then, um, some people, a small percentage, tank on day seven. That's when they head down, even though they were feeling better. So I got about one more day to get through that window. But my wife is on day nine, so she's just about in the clear. And, uh, and we'll see how it goes from here. I haven't talked to my daughters this morning. <laughs> well, we wish you the best and, and uh, hope for a, a very
0: quick recovery on all of that. All right. So let's um, let's talk. You know, I, I watch your videos uh, when I can. On uh, when you're when you're live streaming, you, you live stream on a different, uh, a couple of different platforms, um, and you know, you share from a wide range of, of things and ideas. I, I'm just curious about your ideas on the political mess that this nation is in right now. Can you can you talk a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, I'm uh, I'm not a Republican or a Democrat at all. I'm a conservative Christian. And, uh, uh, I'm, I'm actually so conservative that you'd have to put me back in the monarchist category <laughs> back in the ancient regime. But, um, I've, I've watched all of this with some curiosity because I think in my opinion, um, uh, the powers that be basically went into bedlam when Trump got elected and, uh, you, some, some real, real fear. And what we've seen since uh, 2016 has basically been a, uh, Bolshevikian coup d'état attempt day after day, every day, in the media. And uh, it's been interesting, although I'm not a Trump fan, and I, I couldn't even con- consider myself a supporter. What 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 the government and the media has done has been nothing short than a historical uh, continuous coup. And uh, and so watching what's happening with the election, I don't think anybody on either side ought to trust uh, that. Anything even nearing normal has happened, uh, and that uh, we're going to be entering into some tough times. There's no doubt about it. Because if, for some reason, out of this where we are to date, that Trump was declared by some court to be the winner, this country is going to come apart at the seams. Uh, The the people who have been trained from their youth uh, to be uh, rich revolutionaries, uh, neiman Marxists, are going to hit the uh, hit the wall. And uh, and it's going to get really really ugly. And if not, then we will have seen a a a successful coup attempt by the deep deep state, who are going to return whether it's Kamala Harris or somebody else to power, and they're going to try to do all the things that they've been trying to do. And so either way, I think uh, there's enough tensions in this country that we're going to have serious interruptions. People who are not prepared. Uh, have no idea what they're looking at. Historically, this is uh, right down the line. It's a checklist you could go off of uh, of what's been going on going back to 1917 or prior to that. 1905 revolution is actually uh, a little bit more accurate. Um, so it's just been it's been interesting to watch, and we've been covering it daily on my live uh, live feeds.
0: Yeah, I I agree with you. If uh, you you know if if Trump was to be declared the winner. I think things are going to go devolve very, very quickly. And if not, I still think things are going to go downhill. I mean, you still have uh, Trump supporters who are very adamant. I mean, they're, you know, they feel like the election was stolen. And, um, you know, we're at a fever pitch here where the divisiveness in the country. And uh, like you said, I, I think we're headed for some trouble. So those people that are starting to, I have this idea that um, people, although they're not calling themselves preppers or survivalists or whatever the term is, uh, they are looking at the situation and they realize, okay, there's some things that I need to do. And so for instance, when uh, the COVID shutdown started happening you know, in March around my area, I mean, everything was gone. I mean, like wiped out from stores. And, and again, right. you're starting to hear that. I got an email from someone who works at a Costco in California and they're like, it's back up to lines and we're telling people, you know, one thing at a time. And right. uh, it's, it's just, you know, let people know that it's starting to, uh, to happen again. So those that are waking up, we've had more people coming to the website, listening to the podcast, those types of things. I'm sure you're getting more people wanting to understand how to be more self-reliant. What should someone do right now? Um, and we can, we can talk from the very beginning you know, basis uh, because there will be people listening to this podcast that will find it because of wanting to be better prepared. But then those of us who are kind of like semi-prepared, but uh, you know, we're kind of just keeping a, an eye on, what are some things that we can start doing right now?
1: Okay, so what I try to tell people, and let me tell you, very, very from the beginning, if I was not on your show, if I was on somebody else's show, and they asked me this question, I would tell people to go to the Purple website. Uh, it's one of the best uh, places you can go. Period. To learn, as me, I, I go there to learn stuff, so you can learn uh, pretty much anything you want to learn. That's one of the great things about the internet right now, is that uh, it, the, the skills and the tools and the things you need are available. Uh, whereas when I first got started, they were not, and so. Um, that's such a great resource. Uh, What I try to tell people from the beginning is what you know is way more valuable than what you have. Of course, you have to know what to have. So trying to start off with an idea of getting to know yourself and your own weaknesses. And so I tell people to try to go through some practices where maybe you turn off your power for a day or two, you know, make it an adventure with your family, explain it, create a scenario, turn the power off at the box, find out how you can make coffee. Uh, we have a thing called the bunker principle that we've been teaching for a long time, which is basically to have the three ways to do anything. The first way is your on grid way, the way you do it right now. How do you make coffee right now? You make it with your drip coffee maker. You make it with a French press. How do you heat up the water uh, and then go through this? Uh, the second uh, way would be an off grid way, but perhaps it's a way that's not sustainable. Maybe you've got a lighter and you've got a, uh, a, a grill out in the backyard, <laughs> propane grill. That's another way to make coffee if the power goes out. And the third way would be the completely off-grid way, which is how would you do this? If you only could use the resources that you're going to have if you can't get to the store for months, if, you know, how, would you, how would you start a fire? And so it got, it starts to get people thinking. And if you go through a day or two like this, where you're camping with your children or with your family and you have to go, okay, we don't have refrigeration. How, then you got to start thinking about food preservation. You got to think about what foods could we have? What are some high caloric dense foods that we could store that don't require refrigeration that we could put into a closet that we could put into a basement and we can have, and everybody can get some food in their belly and get some energy to keep working. And so this, Uh, practice just gets people thinking and the the main tool you have is your brain and you've got to be able to think about uh, solutions to problems. There are so many quick and easy, you know, Hey, order this 30 day supply of food order this 90 day supply of food. Those things don't teach you how to think. And so we try to uh, uh, teach people how to think first and then you can figure out what things you need to get on my uh, channel though. If people want to go to uh, the Michael Bunker channel on YouTube, there is an, a couple of articles there, excuse me, a podcast that I did. One of them is called uh, uh, Five Things You Should Be Doing Right Now. And one of them I did for Shoot On Magazine, which is called Seven Things You Should Be Doing Right Now. And so they can see those videos and, and they get into more specifics as to what people could be buying or storing.
0: Sounds good. Is there anything right now that you wish that you would have that you, uh, you're like, you're kicking yourself? And like, man, I wish I had that, or I wish I, I would have, uh, been able to prepare that a little bit more ahead of time.
1: Um, no. And the reason why, is just because I've been doing this so long and then back in March when this first, uh, uh, thing happened and the shortage of happening at the store, I didn't an experiment. And I just basically, without warning, stayed home for 30 days, didn't go to town, didn't get ice. <laughs> I already, <laughs> pardon me. I already live off grid. So, um, And, and, and it kind of uh, reminded me of things that I probably had forgotten over the years and all that kind of stuff. So that helped me do a few things. Um, We, I guess the one thing I'd say, uh, uh, we were planning on uh, the movie that's going to be based on my book getting made in 2020. And so we went into 2020 expecting that we were divesting ourselves of a lot of our animals. We did not plant a crop. We did not put in a garden any of that stuff in uh, April, May, uh, all that time period. And then, of course, when COVID hit and all the shutdowns, the movie went on hold. And so uh, it would have been nice to have put in a, a huge wheat crop <laughs> earlier in the year or last year and then having that harvested this summer and you know, looking at a, a barn with the 10 years' supply of wheat would have been great. But <laughs> other than that, we're going to do fine. Good, good. Okay. So looking at our world and our crazy world
0: where we're at, what do you foresee maybe the next hammer coming down? And, you know, it just seems like, you know, you you mentioned 2020 and 2020 has been one of these things is like one thing after another coming, you know, and uh, you people have started kind of making jokes about it. You know, here here are the, you know, the murder uh, hornets and, and, you know, aliens right. and whatever. And they, what's next? Um, I guess, what, what do you see coming? I mean, there's been a lot of talk about the Great Reset. And these guys that are out there, um, it's not even even hidden anymore, right? The World Economic Forum is out there. Right. Um, it, it's plain as day. Uh, Justin Trudeau is, is talking about it out in the open. Um, so what do you, I mean, if Biden was to get in, if Trump was to get in, or, or where are we headed, what do you, what do you think? It just yeah I know I know, and the reason I'm asking you this is because you have done research on revolutions and and you mentioned that already, uh, maybe we'll get to that in here in a little bit, but uh, you know what do you what do you foresee coming down the pipe
1: Well, I think and i've been uh, pretty uh, consistent with this from the very beginning that we are in the middle of a uh not not before but we are in the middle of a bolshevikian style. Uh, revolution that's taking place. Um, the powers that be that are running it are the real thing that's happening, and what we're seeing is their arms like the Antifa. I just recently wrote a book called God in the Storm with a Cambodian uh, Christian name uh, Sean Tuin, and uh, where we uh, traced his story in Cambodia in the late 1970s. Uh, where his family had to escape the Cambodian genocide by the Khmer Rouge when the communists took power and killed everybody. So uh, 2.5 million people in just about three years. And uh, their rhetoric uh, was identical to Antifa. Their behavior was identical to Antifa. And we actually parallel them in the book. And so there's two storylines. There's a modern storyline in the book, and then there's the 1979 storyline. And we parallel those things so people can see the real ideas of what's going on out there. And so all of this stuff is actually already happening. And a lot of people may be afraid that somehow Antifa is going to get into power. Antifa is a tool. They're being used uh, to create fear. And uh, people don't realize you have a hammer hanging over your head. You do. There's a threat. The reason we haven't had systemic violence uh, over uh, what we can conceive since the election is because they haven't announced a winner yet. Uh, Had Trump won, uh, that would have been unleashed. Nobody doubts it. I don't, I've never met a Democrat or a Republican that has doubted that if Trump had won, that we would have violence in the streets right now. And so it should tell you something, whatever side you're on, whatever you believe, whatever your politics are, that the only reason we're not seeing uh, violence in the streets beyond our, our, our ability to even conceive of it is because uh, that it's been mired in this uh, election morass. And so that threat has not gone away and will never go away. They've already determined if they don't get their way, they're going to burn, they're going to loot, and all those type of things. Uh, All of this feeds into my belief for a long time that there's been a plan to weaken America, to destroy it. Like you said, a great reset, whether this is done through uh, uh, the UN or through most likely uh, uh, Russia, China, and uh, other countries waiting for us to start fighting interior. Uh, and and I have a book called Wick that I wrote about this, uh, some interior fighting a civil war, and then uh, you know uh, America, according to these people, needs to be destroyed. It needs to be erased. Uh, and people think it's because they think they don't like capitalism, or they. It's not. It's that they don't like Christ, <laughs> and not that America is Christ. It's not. But it's the one place where those philosophies have been uh, able to be uh, nurtured and spread around the world. And so uh, there's a hatred. Those who hate God love death. And uh, there's a hatred for America that is deep down. in a lot of Americans, it's been uh, here for a long time. And so that's bubbling up right now. So fully half of America would love to see the history of this country erased, changed, 1984, destroyed. And they'd like to try uh, to start over. You just can't unclimb that rope. You can't back back out of it. When you're sitting there and someone's holding a hatchet over your head and you're living under a threat, I just don't think everybody's just going to put their pitchforks down and go home. I think we're there. And having studied the 1905 revolution in Russia and then the 1917 revolution in Russia, I've studied Rwanda. I've studied Cambodia and wrote a book about it i studied Nicaragua in detail about the Sandinistas. What we are seeing is a textbook uh, communist revolution that's taking place. The Bolsheviks were the smallest political party in Russia in 1917. They were the smallest political party. It does not take a lot of people. All it takes is internal uh, fighting. They get everybody fighting one another, and people like that already have their their, uh, people in place. Uh, to pull the strings when they need to, and outside force might be applied so you're
0: you're definitely feeling like violence is um, on the horizon here um really really soon uh, what do you think What do you think the next thing would be i mean what are we what are we looking for like what what triggers are you I know you feel comfortable where you 're at, and there's a lot of people talking about getting out of the cities, um, even on the outskirts in the suburbs. You might even want to consider moving further out, those types of things. Um,
1: what would you be looking for to continue the the, the unwinding? Okay, so is it, these things are hard to look at from from where we are looking forward. Uh, let's look at um, uh, World War excuse me World War Two for example. All right, and so uh, look look at any great war, uh, and so you know very few people would have figured that. Uh, in fact, if, you, if I came to you beforehand, you said, Hey, listen, some guy nobody even knows some minor political uh, character is going to get assassinated in Austria, Serbia, and that's going to, it's going to like cause a snowball and the whole world's going to go to war and a hundred million people are going to die in about 10 years. You would think I was crazy, you know, but that's exactly what happened. Looking back, it was all predictable, you know, with the entangling alliances and what had happened after the first war and all these kind of things, it was pretty predictable. And so um, uh, I feel like we're kind of in the same position now. Uh, the whole world's a tinderbox. There are uh, great hostilities that didn't used to exist against both America and against uh, conservative nationalist thinking. Uh, Western civilization is the root of their hatred. And so there's a desire to destroy Western civilization. And so there's an old uh, story about um, (laughs) a group of people that sit around and uh, just in the dust, just as it's starting to get dark, and they get in a big argument about uh why why they don't like this street light and so one of the groups don't they don't like the street light because it's light, and their deeds are dark and they want to work in darkness. another group doesn't like the street light because the street light represents something it represents advancement, not being animals anymore, not living in caves, and so these groups start fighting about. uh, uh, why they don't like the street light and it grows and it grows. till you just rip the street light down. Then they have to argue about it in the dark. And so what happens now is, uh, people hate civilization and they don't know why they hate it. They just hate it. They've been taught by their teachers and we've turned our children over to socialists to teach them and they just hate the light. They hate it. They hate everything about it and they just want to rip it down and they have no idea what it took to build. So when they see a bridge or they see a big building or they see something, to them, it's as natural as a tree. They have no idea how it got there. And so when they think of slavery, which was a horrible thing, they think that uh, building represents slavery. When in reality, the whole world was in slavery. The whole world was in slavery. It was a trait of the times. And we happened to have Western civilization that brought us out of it. They can't see the right story, and so they just want to tear the light down and then argue about it in the dark.
0: Good. You know, um, I was thinking about some of your old articles that are not up anymore, but because I have them listed on Prepper website, I was able to track some down and go to uh, archive.org. And uh, one of these, uh, this is from like March 11th, 2013. So it's, it's been a while, but the title of it was what if the Russians really are going to attack and what if WIC really happens? And this was, I think when you were uh, in the process of writing WIC and and finishing it up. Um, And so things were happening, right? The Russians were, we had things like um, uh, Russia was, was flying their bombers and, and trying to see how close they could get before, you know, they would set off uh, alarms for us. Um, And they've been doing that, you know, ever since. Uh, We have uh, this when North Korea, at this time, North Korea scrapped the armistice. I'm reading from the article here just a little bit. And then there was another thing that happened um, that you, uh, the the head, the subheading is uh, the Russians never quit. So when a Russian spy ring, I'm going to read here just a little bit. When a a Russian spy ring headed by a beautiful red haired woman was exposed in 2011, the media and the government acted like the woman was just a wannabe uh, femme fatale who was pretending to be a spy. We know now that the fictional story that was spoon fed to Americans was not the truth. The group turned out to be a highly trained group of new technology experts who use sophisticated means along with traditional spycraft to move and act within America and against America's interests. In this recent article about this female spy and the legitimacy of the threat, most of the comments on this article were akin to who cares about her, what we need is jobs. Americans think that their government should not be in the business of protecting them from foreign powers or from communism or from the very real likelihood of a foreign power sending the country back to the 1850s or worse, causing them to reach 18,000 degrees Fahrenheit in a tenth of a second. Americans do think that their government should be in the business of providing them a job and a living. Interesting how far the USA has fallen, but it does highlight the fact that the Soviets' long term strategy has been to weaken America militarily, economically, and morally so that Americans will embrace socialism and communism after the fall. So Michael, that was written in 2013, man, you know, um, long, long time ago. And um, you wrote the, again, you wrote WIC kind of uh, based off of all this and uh, kind of being a little, I, I don't want, I want to be very careful, you know, not being prophetic or anything, but kind of seeing, like you were saying, looking at uh, what has happened in the past what has transpired in the past and now uh, seeing it happening right before our eyes looking back at this and then where we are now I mean it was the Russians it was the Russians it was the Russians and right and it might have been the Russians but it was you know the other the other sides using the Russians and and all of that uh, what would you say to all of this now I mean would you say like yeah, I hit a you know hit a home run on this, or, or what? yeah,
1: it's it's I've gone back uh, to Wick a couple of times in the last year or so just because it has been so uh, eerily uh, uh, I don't want to use the word prophetic either, but it has it has had a lot of overtones of what's actually going on now. For some background, people don't understand the book Wick, uh, which we published in 2013, is a story of basically the destruction of America. It's a prequel to my book, The Last Pilgrims, which takes place 25 years later. But in this book, uh, some very, very true and real things are introduced as the trigger of what happens. And that is going back uh, to the 60s and 70s, we had quite a few um, defectors that came here from the Soviet Union. One of the biggest ones was a guy named Anatoly Galitsyn. And Anatoly Galitsyn wrote a book called New Lies for Old, Uh, During the Paris Troika period where he told us that Paris Troika and Glasnost were basically false fronts that they uh, Russians intended uh, to fake their demise to uh, because they knew that Americans would rush in and give them tons of money and fuel contracts and oil contracts and all these type of things would help rebuild their economy. Uh, would introduce capitalism in a way that they could still control. Uh, they would keep their people in power, so you would keep a KGB man in power the whole time. And uh, and they were going to wait, because they knew that if America was the last superpower... By the way, this same theme is uh, revisited in a uh, TV series called America with a K that came out in 1987, uh, where the general who becomes the head of the UN-Russian control party that's running the United States... Says this exactly in 1987, uh, he said, well, "When we faked our death, uh, then uh, America lashed around the world, starting wars and getting in wars all over, trying to be the policeman of the world, and they weakened themselves morally. They destroyed their cohesiveness. They became, they began fighting one another. And when the time came, we took them over. We uh, took them over like that. And this was uh, Anatoly Galitzin's." Uh, uh, story when he came to the United States. And there were several other, some high GRU uh, defectors said the exact same thing. Uh, Chinese defectors have said the, uh, the same thing. And so uh, the, the philosophy behind the book was um, that we ended up with a, uh, a challenged election, which in the book is the 2012 election. Uh, as that was happening in real life, uh, the Russians had a uh, nuclear sub off the coast of New Jersey that was spotted off the coast of New Jersey really happened. And, um, and, a, a, a hurricane hit New York city, which really happened, uh, in 2012. And our main character at the beginning of the book takes a walk through New York city after the, uh, bomb, excuse me, after the hurricane and he's observing things and he ends up stumbling into what is a charm school, which is a deep in the Adirondack mountains is a town that is fenced off, it's a military emplacement, and it's really just a, it's a Russian village. And uh, it's a place where uh, Americans are trained to be Russian spies, they, it's an actual Russian village, they speak Russian there, they, they, everything is Russian. And this is a, a, a true thing, there was really a town in Russia, in Novgorod, uh, it was called Novgorod, which was an American town, in the middle of Russia in the sixties and seventies and eighties and that town, they had American teachers, they had American professors, they had American music, they had American restaurants and they trained people to have American accents and to uh, grow up from children being Americans. And yet they were indoctrinated and sent to the United States and they could blend in perfectly. And so in this, in our story, we reversed that and we put this in the Adirondacks, and then uh, that's kind of the, the trigger of you find out that there's a Russian invasion. And so I don't want to give too much of the book away. It's a really, really uh, good book. <laughs> but uh, uh, we're seeing so many of these things. First of all, the idea that uh, after the Cold War, we just uh, everybody else just gave up somehow. Everybody, and yet we know that they didn't. We know that there's been infiltrations by uh, all types of foreign governments, including the Russians, uh, intervention uh, uh, left and right on both sides of the political aisle. And we know that there's a deep state that crosses political aisles as Republicans and their Democrats that are working towards this goal. And so it's all uh, uh, seeming to, to, to fit what Anatoly Galitzen said. And we are seeing a uh, communist revolution. And it's starting from uh, these uh, sleepers that we allowed uh, uh, to teach our children for 20 or 30 years.
0: Well, and it's the thing that just drives me nuts is that it seems like it's in the government. You know, we have like the FBI and the CIA who you would think that they would be doing their, their duty in keeping America safe. But you, you, you see that they're, they're not, you know, they're, they're out there and it's very concerning. The, uh, the level of, um, I don't know the, the level of, uh, what, what we just inept, I guess it, it, right. some people would say ineptitude, but it really isn't. It's almost like the, they, they're wanting this to happen.
1: And well, they're ideologues, and that's one of the things we have to realize. They are ideologues. It's not pure corruption. Pure corruption is based on the fact that people serving their own best interests. People serving their own best interests, pure corruption, that can actually be managed. What you can't deal with is ideologues. And so what happens is these people have not been raised on a steady diet of Americanism or on Christianity or on doing right and all of the things that you would think the FBI would be about. They've actually been uh, uh, trained in schools like Fordham and schools like uh, Loyola and schools where they've been taught that there's a higher uh, authority uh, and that higher authority uh, can be anything from uh, a foreign power to uh, their own uh, uh, leftist ideology. And so, uh, for a long time, we we would have thought that would have been something that's impossible. But over the years, over the decades, you just have to look where these people recruit, and you have to look at who they hire as their higher ups. Those higher ups have had decades in both political parties. The parties, the the the, the in, interior workings don't change when the parties change, and they've ha- been able to ferret out people who are honest and people who have integrity, and they put ideologues in there. And so those ideologues are willing and they actually believe here's the mistake. So many people make in in, uh, misunderstanding their enemy. They, we, we think that these people actually know the truth, but they're, they're operating contrary to it. They actually believe this stuff. They actually believe in, uh, democratic socialism. They believe it's not Marxism. That's not communism. It's just, you know, we're just going to vote each other's stuff. So, um, Uh, And and then they, once they get into, into power, they, they receive all their talking points from the same place. If you have a friend who's on the right and you have a friend that's on the left and they live in their little bubble where they get all their information from the same places, you know, this, this uh, phenomenon, these people, they only, they truly believe everything that they're being told and that's all they believe And Everything else is disinformation. And so that's all we really need to to understand to see why these people get to pe- places of power. And they absolutely believe in their own, they're besotted with their own self-righteousness, that they're the ones that are going to fix America. So if you've been taught to believe rightfully, though, that racism is wrong, that fascism is wrong, that uh, and then they suddenly change the definitions of all these words so that everybody is a racist, everybody, is a, everybody that's against you. As a racist, is a fascist, as a hater, is evil, <clears throat> then you can see how people will say, okay, the rules don't really matter because we're fighting Hitler again or we're fighting Stalin again or whoever it is, right? And that's, that's how they get to where they are, you know? And, and it's been, and I truly believe that Trump was an accident and accidents never happen in politics. <laughs> I think Trump was an accident. I truly believe it. I don't think he's a great guy. I don't think he's a messiah but I, I think he was not supposed to get elected. I think people were shocked at how many people turned up and they made sure that it was not going to happen again. And, uh, and so that's why we're seeing what we're seeing right now.
0: Good. You said it a lot better than I did. You have the words to be able to explain it. <laughs> hey, look, I'm looking at uh, when I was reading this article, the Michael Bunker that is up here at the top of uh, the headline or the, the, your header image, it yeah. looks a lot different than the Michael Bunker that I'm looking at right now. Right. Um, what's going on, man? You've you've uh, you've lost a lot of weight. Um, you know, you're always working out. Uh, tell us a little bit about your uh, your journey here.
1: All right. So uh, towards the end of last year, right around December, uh, and I was pretty. I, I had gotten up to 278, 280 pounds, and I had lost uh, quite a bit last year. Just. Um, trying to eat better. I wasn't really exercising or anything, but I had lost a little bit of weight. And um, we went out to Hollywood in uh, October of last year uh, because they're making uh, one of my books into a feature film, major motion picture with a big director. And uh, we got to meet with the director. We got to meet with the producer. And um, there was a hint that I might be able to play a part in the movie. And uh, I actually wrote one of the characters. This is the novel Pennsylvania. The movie's called New Pennsylvania. And I wrote one of the characters for myself. I actually, most of my books, I have a character that's based loosely on me. And I have a character in there. It's kind of a wild man who lives out in the w- wilderness. His name is Goa Eagles. And, um, and so, you know, we talked about it. They were um, not really seriously, uh, but it, it was a possibility. And so um, in December we got uh, what was then the final script because they were hoping to start shooting as early as June, maybe. And and, uh, I read through the uh, final script December going into January. And um, the producer had mentioned there was possibly two different characters. Goa Eagles was one, and they weren't very positive about that just because I didn't really fit the physicality of the part. And then there was another character, which was a much smaller part. And both of them, it said in the script was heavily muscled. And so I looked in the mirror and I said, well, (laughs) I got to do something. And I had been looking for a kick in the pants, some reason to get up. And so I'd been studying, doing different types of fitness or diet or whatever. And then on January 8th, uh, 2020, I got up at three o'clock in the morning and started walking. And that was my first thing is I just walked a lot. And I really realized I was in really bad shape. There's no way I was going to jump into the gym and do a bunch of weights. There's no way I was going to run. That wasn't going to (laughs) happen. I was getting close to 300 pounds. And so I just took it very, very seriously. And I started off walking, uh, then gradually uh, bringing in some calisthenics and some exercise. I had an old um, uh, off-grid elliptical machine that's not plugged in. I did that. Yeah, I could do it for three minutes. And so I was taking a, wife, uh, a walk with my wife and I said, wow, that elliptical is hard. I said, how? and she would come down to the office while I was working and she would get on there. I said, how long do you do that elliptical for? She goes, ah, i put on a show and I do it for about 45 minutes. <laughs> I thought, man, I am out of shape. So I really got after it. And um, uh, over the next uh, three to six months, I lost uh, 105 pounds. And, uh, uh, got into the gym in May and actually started, uh, really moving some weight, uh, working out seriously and taking it very seriously. And I'm still taking it seriously. Although I've been off the gym now since mm-hmm. I got the COVID, <laughs> you can't go to the gym, but, uh, uh, I, uh, gained back, uh, probably about 10 or 12 pounds, mostly in muscle. And I'm trying to get my weight back to around 200 to 210 at some point, but mostly muscle. And so at 53 years old, I think I'm doing pretty good. You look good, man. You, uh, you know, like I said, looking at the the image from 2013, and
0: um, you know, I follow your your stuff online um, and all the, the workouts and everything. It's like, hey, man, you know, you've done you've done really well. So, like, what are you doing for your diet? Uh, are you um, are you on a, on a specific
1: diet, or have you just cut out certain things? I did all of them uh, starting off. I mean, uh, there's so many of them that are out there. Let me tell you, everybody that's out there, they all work. Uh, If by work you mean you will lose weight, uh, they all work for the same reason. If you eat fewer calories than you uh, uh, burn, then you're going to um, uh, lose weight. That's just the way it works. And there's a million people that will tell you that that's not true, but that's the second law of thermodynamics. Uh, If you burn more calories than you're taking in, you're going to lose weight. And almost every diet has some form of that. So whether it's carnivore or whether it's vegan or whether, whatever the diet is. And I tried them all, and I actually would rotate them. So I would do uh, keto for a week, and then I would do OMAD, which is one meal a day for a week. And, and I finally came to the conclusion they all work for the same reason, and that is I'm taking in fewer calories. And I was losing weight pretty drastically. And so I, uh, I finally, after a couple of months of lashing around, I realized that uh, there's a problem with every diet. And that is when you take in fewer calories than you burn, you eventually, we're humans, you're going to binge. You get hungry. Let's just say that you're on a diet where you don't eat sugar, or you're on a diet where you don't eat potatoes, or you don't eat bread, or you don't eat meat, or whatever it is. Uh, Eventually, your body wants some of that stuff. And then what I would find out is that I would be down here late at night by myself watching something or doing a video, doing a live stream, and then I would go up to the house and I would eat everything in it. <laughs> and just because I, uh, there's a hormone called ghrelin that gets released and it just beats you until you give in. And so I knew that something – I had to find some way to deal with that, and I finally came up, uh, upon – I hate even using the term diet because everything's a diet. What you eat is a diet. It's actually just a way of living, and it's called anabolic. And basically what it is is that you eat while you're trying to lose weight. uh, Anabolic works whether you're trying to lose weight, trying to gain weight, or trying to stay the same. And basically what it is is you eat good-tasting food that you like that is uh, uh, low in calories but is dense. Full. So it's it's low calorie dense food. Like in preparedness, you and I are familiar, you wanna store high calorie dense foods. Food that has a lot of density and is high in calories, so you can store a lot of it in a small amount of space. You want the opposite when you're uh, on a diet. You wanna eat a lot of food and you want it to be delicious and you want it to fill you up so you don't wanna eat again and you don't want that ghrelin to start punching you in the face coming and telling you you need to eat. And so I finally got onto this diet, and it's the greatest thing, man. So I, I, I actually eat to where I'm full. I, sometimes I actually lose weight. I'm not trying to lose weight now, but I actually lose weight on accident because I just don't eat enough calories sometimes. And so I got to go eat a co- chocolate bar or something like that. <laughs> and and, and there's deli- I eat French toast almost every day. I eat a lot of food, and I like to eat food. So that's the diet. people are interested in looking into that, just check out my um, – I have a second YouTube channel, which is called Bunk Fit. Uh, just look up Michael Bunker and put Bunk Fit, B-U-N-K-F-I-T. I'm putting more and more stuff up there. It's a brand-new channel. Uh, but there's some great guys like um, Greg Doucette is one of the kind of the founders of the anabolic diet, and Remington James and a few other people. But uh, just look me up, and I'll be glad to help you out. It's been wonderful. Um, and, and I can – I can maintain my weight. You know, I go through a period where I want to gain weight. It's adjustable so that you can just take in more calories or less calories and, uh, it works great. It's like flying a plane. You can just feather things up and down. I can actually predict almost to the pound what I'm going to be at any particular point.
0: That's good, man. Congratulations on that. And that's definitely, uh, I'm going to find that video channel, that YouTube channel, and I will link to it. So, uh, I'm sure going into the holidays and everything, people are like, what can I do uh, beforehand? And what can I do afterwards? <laughs> the holidays. Yeah. Well, yeah. talking about a different type of health, um, mental health, I wanted to talk a little bit about this um, just from your perspective, because I'm hearing from a lot of people that the lockdowns, that the, uh, the, the state that we are in in society with all the divisiveness and, and um, People, you know, family members who are Republican, Democrat, going after each other and all the different things that you see out there that that people are, are having um, some real struggles. There's a lot of people who are depressed and anxious in life right now. What, what would you say to that? What would you say to help someone kind of get through that?
1: Well, it helps to understand that there, there's an actual plan that's being in place to demoralize uh, Americans. You're being demoralized day by day on purpose by the media, by the government, by the pe- these powers that are be that are in, in involved in this revolution. You're being demoralized on purpose, and so you're if you do want to sit down, take a break, watch a football game or something like that, you're going to be hammered with uh, left wing messages. You're going to be hammered with things that you know they clearly know that you don't approve of and all of those things. And it's, it's on purpose. It's to cause you to be demoralized. And uh, the res- result of demoralization in a society is depression and division. And that's exactly what's happening. And so what happens is when people don't believe there's a real enemy, they don't believe that there's a plan in place, then they lash out at their neighbors, they lash out at their family, or they lash out at themselves. They don't um, point their... Uh, ire in the in the right place and uh, as a christian we know we have an enemy and that enemy is ever at work and he's been at work in america for a whole lot of years america uh had, was protected for a whole lot of years by god and by um uh the uh, pattern of, in western civilization whether you uh stick to it to a t or not of uh, christian morals and philosophies that were embedded in all of the institutions and when those things were one by one stripped away uh then people had to turn inward and 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 now they're seeing pretty much everything that they've ever believed being told it's false that it's not true um statues removed i'm i'm against statues by the way but what you do to a people who rely on those things is you just remove them and you change the definitions of words and all of these things and this has a great mental uh uh impact on people. I try to get people to focus on the fact that you have an enemy and the, the, the greatest thing you can do when you have an enemy is you can unify with a greater uh, power and that greater power is God. Mine is Jesus Christ and you have to get into the word because everything we're going through is in there. Everything we're seeing is in there. My wife uh, reads through the Bible every day not through the whole Bible, but every year she reads through the whole Bible. Mm -hmm. And she said, you know, she was going through the minor prophets. She goes, everything that's going on in this country is in the minor prophets. You can know exactly what's happening. And so as you do so, uh, and you pray that God will give you wisdom and understanding, you can begin to... um, Here's the thing. You have to have a foundation. There, There has to be something in the universe that doesn't move, right? Everything moves. The earth is... Depending on how you listen to, the <laughs> earth is moving, you know, <laughs> space is moving, uh, everything's moving. And um, there has to be something. you can't even know what speed you're going unless you have something to measure against that doesn't move. You cannot know your vector, your direction, if there's not something that doesn't move. And i challenge people to find something in the universe that's not moving. If you can't find it, then there's a place that you can find it, and that's in uh, the scriptures. And you can find a rock that doesn't move. You can attach yourself to that rock and then you can see how everything's moving. And, and it's, if there's no stability, then one by one, all of the bricks get taken out and, and then, and then you're left with nothing. And that's where we get demoralization demoralization and people turn in. Where You get narcissism and, and anger and all these types of things. Uh, all of this stuff is basically, um, Been prophesied from the foundation of the world, and uh, as far as I look at it, and I know some people out there probably atheistic or agnostic. I'm going to do a show for you people. I'm putting together a series for atheists and agnostics, not to convert you or anything else, but just because they don't even know what it is they don't believe in. (laughs) And so uh, I'm just telling people you got to have something that doesn't move. There's got to be a foundation. There's got to be a static thing in the in, in in the world, and it has to be outside of yourself. It can't be your thoughts. It can't be, you can't trust yourself. And so I find that um, knowing that there's a higher law and a higher lawgiver outside of me that does not change has helped me with my mental health throughout all of this. And I, there's no fear then, right?
0: Exactly. Well, I, yeah, I'm not going to argue with that at all, you know. Yeah. And uh, listeners of the podcast know how I feel definitely about yeah. all of that. Well, very well said. Thank you so much for that. Um, Michael, what do you have before we end this? And you can tell us you know, where people can find you. Um, what do you have coming up? Uh, you, you mentioned you've got, you got the series coming up for the agnostics and, and yeah. uh, atheists. But uh, what do, you, do you have anything big coming up? Uh, well,
1: the movie's still hanging out there and hasn't been canceled or anything else. So at some point when they get the rules and uh, we got new lockdowns coming, who knows what's going to happen. Um, uh, hopefully we'll find out some news about that. Uh, I've got about four or five books that are getting very close to being, uh, published. Hopefully, uh, everybody needs to go check out my latest book, which is God in the storm, which is about the Cambodian genocide, but it also compares it with Antifa and with what's going on in the country. It's a, a fiction book based on an absolute t- true story. I wrote with Sean Tulin who's a Cambodian Christian and, uh, go check that book out but I've got some other books that are going to be coming out this year. The biggest thing I'm working on right now is my YouTube channel and which is broadcast on other platforms as well. Hopefully moving it into rumble and some other places. Uh, but I'm trying to build it into a podcast. So check me out on YouTube, Michael bunker uh, and then my fitness channel, which is BunkFit. Those are the main things I have going right now as we wait uh, to see kind of how things are going to go, what's going to open up if Hollywood's going to open up, <laughs> et cetera. So I just keep at it, you know,
0: all right, man. I'll, I'll definitely link to, to all of those things, um, ways that people can find you. And, um, you're, I mean, do you have a set time when you are doing your live streams or is it whenever you have, I know that you're dealing with power, power issues. Um, last time we did our interview, we did it late at night and you're on um, complete power, uh, battery power there. Um, but are you, so do you have specific times when you're doing your lives?
1: Uh, Yeah, I try to do them at 7pm. Not every night. It's kind of in uh, maybe two or three times a week. If you go to YouTube, subscribe to my channel, you'll get a notification whenever I'm going to go live. Usually earlier in the day, it'll tell you so you can plan for it. Uh, On occasion, I'll do one late in the evening, like at nine o'clock, or I'll do one earlier in the day so that people who are on different time schedules can actually catch it live. You can always catch them uh, after the, the fact. Uh, and so if you're just subscribed, you'll get a notification every time, make sure you hit the little bell icon so you get the notifications. But most of the times, it's seven o'clock PM central time, uh, on my channel. It also, I also broadcast it live through three Facebooks. So my main Facebook, uh, people just f- send me a friend request. I accept it. Um, then my, uh, Michael Bunker author channel. And then I've got a, um, uh, another channel. I can't think of, Oh, Bunk- the Bunker nation, which is the show. Uh, channel, which is on Facebook. And then we're also on Twitch and Periscope, which is Twitter. So uh, they'll, they'll find it out there. And if you, if you do subscribe, you'll get notifications on when the show's coming on.
0: All right, perfect. Well, uh, I, and I will link to, to all of those. I know that when you were raising some money to upgrade your, your power supply, is that
1: still going on? Yeah, that's been a real frustration because uh, our, our power supply, our solar panel uh, system is uh, about 20 years old and we replaced the uh, batteries 10 years ago and those batteries last five years. So that tells you we're five years past it, which means I only have power when there's direct sunlight like right now. And so um, we've tried our best to uh, raise money to be able, because basically I do everything that I do for free and just hope people like it enough that are going to pay for it. And so uh, we've, we've, we've got in the bank two, batter- two new batteries. I need two to three more batteries. And, um, and so we're going to replace the battery bank. And then hopefully that's going to give us the power that we can be more regular. One of the big things I want to start doing is not doing just live shows, but doing recorded shows mm-hmm. that show people actual skills, off-grid living, preparedness, survival skills, and those type of things that I can actually edit and produce. And they'll have some production value to them. But that takes power. So it takes me five to six hours to edit a video and I just don't have the power to do that most of the time. So we have a fundraiser at my, my website is michaelbunker.com. You just go on there and uh, there's a partner subscription button you can click on if people want to help out and they can do a one-time payment or they can do a monthly deal if they want to help. But that sure is uh, something that would help us. Once I have enough batteries that I can replace the battery bank, then we generally get enough sun out here in central Texas that I don't have to worry about things.
0: Well, sounds good. I'm going to link to that as well, MichaelBunker.com, so that they can uh, check that out. Anybody who wants to help and donate uh, to that uh, to that battery bank and power fund, <laughs> right? We'll, we'll do that. Well, Michael, thanks so much for uh, taking your time to uh, be on the podcast again. We wish you well, you and your family, and uh, the, for a quick recovery and a uh, great holiday season.
1: All right, man. Appreciate you having me. God bless. God bless.
0: Well, Michael, thanks again for hanging out with us on this podcast episode. Uh, It's always great to hear from you. Hey guys, I am going to link to Michael's website and his YouTube channels and also his fundraiser. You know, Michael puts out a lot of great content, a lot of great information. And uh, if we can help him a little bit, if you're looking for a worthy cause to to donate to, and we can help him out, get some uh, better equipment uh, for his Uh, power sources there as he lives off grid. Uh, That's, you know, a worthy cause. So if you're interested in that, I'll go ahead and provide those links. Well, everyone, that's it for episode 671. Hey, don't forget to subscribe to the show. Make sure you click the subscribe button in your favorite podcast app or head on over to theprepperwebsitepodcast.com. And that way you never miss another episode of Sweet Prepper Goodness. And don't forget, If you're looking for more preparedness and self-reliant information, head on over to PrepperWebsite.com, where we link to 8 to 12 articles every day of the very best self-reliant articles out there. We also have pages dedicated to alternative news, firearms, DIY, Bible prophecy, frugal living, and homesteading. And lastly, don't forget to join the email list if you haven't. When you do, I'm going to send you a free PDF on 25 hand-picked preparedness articles that you should read. And with that... Choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government grid or the grind. Until next week, stay prepped and aware. Peace.